BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostess, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Okay, we are back this week. I am in sunny California. I am sitting in a hotel in Venice Beach. Literally just came off the beach shooting with five other women, uh, a little beat up by the sun, a little beat up by some sand in places that I didn't expect to feel sand today. But I am with... An amazing guest. She is somebody, it's so funny because one of the girls say was like, how do you know Ariel?" And I was like, listen, I don't, I don't even know how I know her, but she is just this light that I don't even know how I found her. And at some point I started following and I don't even know how to explain who you are and everything, which you're going to do it. Um, the content that she puts out, I can't express this enough, has just changed some of my thinking. It's changed my awareness. It just brings me joy. And sometimes that's like an unexplainable thing when you're talking about somebody like objectively, like I don't know what it is, but you're bringing me joy on a platform and it's meant so much. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for taking time. Like we just literally came off a beach. I know we're all like... (laughs) I had like goals for you though. Like I was like, okay. So her first of all, her name is Ariel. Uh-huh. Like R-E-L. Yeah. But I really I don't know why I'm like saying it phonically. I literally just said Ariel. <laughs> but you like sent a gift today where it was like a like Ariel on the rock. And so I had this in my head. I was like, we gotta get her on a rock. The waves are crashing. We're gonna I know. do we, this. I, thing. I attempted. I but I bailed out. Yeah, bailed we bailed out. out. It was it was not <laughs> It was not our day. Guys, it was actually so weird. So we're on the beach taking these photos and like people were taking photos Mm -hmm. of us. It was weird. Mm -hmm. Is that not a thing that happens at home at all? I mean, like beaches are, I mean, is that a a thing? I know you have them, but I like, okay. Like we have them in Canada, but I'm not on one. I'm like in, I'm like in the suburbs and there's like some lakes, but yeah, Yeah. there's not a lot of like beach activity. I will say though that, being out there today, there was a moment that I kind of caught myself in the midst of it where I kind of looked around and I was like, oh my gosh, like I haven't even felt for a second thinking about my body yeah. or how it looks. Yeah. It's the comparison didn't happen. It didn't happen. I actually rare. saw this beautiful model in a bikini and she was on the rocks and I was like, look at her go. And like yeah. that was the end of my thinking. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow. 
it makes a difference mm-hmm. who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And I just felt we literally walked down the streets. There was these guys who were like ripped with their surfboards <laughs> and they're gawking, like mm-hmm. just turning their heads, looking at all of us. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Let them gawk. Like we're literally walking in basically underwear down the street. Right. Yeah. Like literally, it, yeah. it was so incredible um, who we were all with. It was um, Arielle and myself. We had Chelsea from Choosing Chelsea. We had Fitty Britty. We had Rayan Los Langus. Yes, mm-hmm. Rayan. And uh, we also had Miss Zia's, Christina, mm-hmm. and a photographer who came down with us and took all of these photos so we could, honestly, I just kind of capitalized on this moment. My mm-hmm. husband said to me, uh, who arranged this? Like, what just happened? And I was like, well, I wanted to get together with this person to podcast. And then I wanted to get together with this person. And then we kind of just all of a sudden just, it became this group. And we're like, we're, we're doing this. It's happening. Yeah. It's so good. The group text is official. Here we go. The group text. <laughs> it's on. Anyways, all that said, we're having so much fun here. And I'm just really, really excited for you guys to get to know Ariel. Um, Tell us your origin story. I always ask that, but oh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't even really know it 100% where you are now, but tell us what you yeah. do and tell us how you got there. Yeah. So I'm originally from Northern California. So San Francisco Bay Area is home for me. I'm the oldest of five kids. My baby brother is 12, so he'll be 13 <gasps> next month. So he's My like, kids are the same baby. age. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I'm the oldest. So it's four girls and then him. He's the youngest and kind of was like, surprise, here's your boy a little bit. So oh, yeah. Four mummies for mm-hmm. him. Four five mummies. Oh. And he's the sweetest. He's so tall. He's I'm 5'8" and he's now taller than I am oh so he's like wow huge. he's huge but we love him so that's home for me and then I have one sibling who's here she's going to college out here but I moved to LA to go to school in 2010 and so I went to Azusa Pacific I studied psychology and theater and then poetry kind of came into the picture throughout that conversation mm-hmm. so now I mostly do spoken word I'm mostly on stages either doing poetry emceeing conferences or speaking at conferences or doing a collection of all three sometimes. And then social media kind of came from that. Like I would just, my best friends are photographers. So I would Girl, take pictures. Girl, lucky. I know, I am. I am very lucky. Like my best friend is a photographer. Her husband is the guy who does all my music for my albums and like for what? shows and stuff. So I have like my little team, my little duo team and they're amazing. So hold on. What kind of albums? Like spoken word Yeah, albums? so poetry to music or music and poetry. But you're not singing them. You're speaking um, them. Not on those. I do okay. sing, but I don't, I don't have anything out where I've sung them, but I do it live. That's incredible. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny because uh, obviously in the community that I'm mostly a part of online and on social media is like part of the body confident and body acceptance. And you've somehow you've somehow woven yourself in there. (laughs) But in a way that I was like, it's not really obvious, but you're speaking to Mm -hmm. so many women Mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis Mm -hmm. on social media, especially when it comes to like worth and confidence and I mean, recently, just to like, just to like give everyone a little bit of, she's not going to do this. She's too humble. She was literally just on Jenna Kutcher's podcast talking about what was it? Comparison. Comparison. Yeah. So remarkable. Yeah. It was really cool. And for her, I think that was like the first conversation on podcasts that wasn't about body positivity Mm -hmm. or that wasn't about poetry but and I did end up doing a poem on the episode with her really? yeah but it came out of our conversations about comparison and 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 where did that stem from for me personally and right. stories about that but it was really cool yeah that's so that came really out on cool. Monday congratulations mm-hmm. Thank that's you I'm just glad that people are starting to notice I find that it, it's so 
interesting watching certain people rise because you're like mm. I don't know what it is that there's a certain spark yeah. and a certain magic to it that Thank seems you. so incredible but you're such a great motivational speaker and a lot of the things that you say and do um why do you think that women are struggling with their worth so yeah. much in this day and age yeah well we're coming out of like a society that like kept telling us this is how to be and this is who to be. This is the standard for beauty. This is the standard for intelligence. This is a standard for X, Y, and Z. So we're coming out of this shifting, which is where the body positivity movement, I think, really blew up as when we were like, that doesn't apply to me. Actually, that doesn't apply to the majority of the women that you're having conversations with. So this shift of saying no and then rerouting and finding, okay, how and where does this apply to me? How and where do I define beautiful? How and where do I define um, who I am and what I contribute to this world? And so I think a lot of the conversation came from that and came from women trying to find their voice again, um, trying to find their yes, trying to find their no, and trying to find everything in between. And kind of that instilling and empowering. But one of the things that we were talking about even earlier, it's like I've worked with women who are in tech and they work for NASA and they are on the like work for Google and work for Facebook and, and analytics. And then I've also talked to moms of preschoolers and then I've talked to creatives who have their own businesses and their CEOs. And the conversation is always the same in all of them. It's like, I have a seat at the table, but I don't feel like I deserve to be here. Mm. Um, I don't feel like I'm enough. And and they're literally brilliant. And so I'm sitting there. My name tag says poet. And like, <laughs> I'm like, you literally work for NASA. Like you do things that affect our world, not just our immediate society, but our world. And even with that responsibility, you still feel like you don't belong there. And I think a lot of it comes from, one, we have to so much focus on not what we do, but more so who we are um, and coming back to like who we are. And so whenever I talk to women who are moms or who are wives and stuff like that, I always go back to who they are as women. Like I think about that moment where I realized my mom's name is not mom. Like my mom has a name and she was a woman Ooh. before she became my mother. And so talking to the woman first, um, talking to the identity first and not talking to the what you do or where you're at. That is so, oh, that was powerful. Because I, to be honest, I'm one of those people who, yeah, I lost my identity in being a wife and a mom for a really long time. A lot of that came from just a lack of emotional maturity. The fact that I had children, all three of my kids were born by the time I was 25. I was yeah. married at 19. I kind of missed that whole chapter of like self-discovery yeah. and, you know, leaving. Like I went from my parents' house to a house with a husband. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have that bridge in between, but mm -hmm. I felt I was almost being coddled by life a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I just wanted to float with whatever somebody was going to help me. Like I didn't want to learn how to do banking. I didn't want to learn how to do certain things. I just like was so scared to do things that I just allowed life to kind of just pick me up and keep placing me. And I never really figured out who I was yeah. probably until my late twenties. Yeah. But it's funny now. I remember when I was starting the curve with my own kids and being like, I deserve respect of like closing the bathroom door <laughs> and you're going to wait on the outside of it. That was like a practice. Yeah. And then I stepped into, I am going to start working out with the door shut and music on. Like that was a practice. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I'm allowed to travel away from you. You forget like, yes, yeah. I am still deserving of being a human, but talking about your own mom, like when you said that, like my mom has a, your mom has a name mom and I was like, name. It's it's so funny because I 
think that we're, we be, we place that role as they're my help. Like they're my person. And yeah. my mom is so that I remember about a month ago, I thought to myself, I've last few years of my life have been so much need. Like mm-hmm. my mom has had to step up and like help me with so many things. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it was like this hyper aware moment of when's the last time I just asked her to hang out and like have coffee with me without it being, I need, I need to, you need, yeah. I need help or yeah. we're going to see each other because this is an exchange of yeah. something. Um, yeah, it, it meant a lot that I got to sit down and like have a dinner with her and I got yeah. to treat her and treat her like a human being. And I was, didn't realize what a slippery slope it was that I had gotten into yeah. not doing that. Yeah. So I think that that was really cool that you said that. Cause I think that there are a lot of women, especially moms who've mm-hmm. just kind of not figured out who they are yeah. and stopped finding their identity yeah. in or that. Forgotten. I think for me, it's like the pivotal moment was my mom took me to college and then right after she went back to school and she was like something about taking you to college I was like she'd like made it herself realize that she was like I want to go back to school like I I have I want a degree I want it in this and so after I get left and I'm the oldest of five kids so um, at that time my sisters weren't in college yet so my mom dropped me off and then she went back to school and got her master's after I was like while I was getting my undergrad so we've like fallen in tune and now she's like doing more speaking and things like that so I just help her launch her website (gasps) and how to hashtag on Instagram (laughs) and so it's fun to kind of have those moments where it's like not that we're switching roles because she's still my mom Mm -hmm. but there's still opportunity for for me to teach her now that I'm older and now that I'm adult um but she's always going to be my mom you know she's always going to be there for help and things like that but we're very kindred in that way and so really seeing how she was able to step out of her titles um and more into her own calling was really cool to like watch that happen. Oh, I bet that must have been like that. Just makes you proud, right? Mm-hmm. That's so yeah. cool, like, man. <laughs> so, how did you even get into the space of? Is it your psychology degree? Like, what gave you kind of the authority or the ability to start speaking on these yeah. things and start doing it in a way that like is really connecting with women? Yeah. So my degree is in psychology. Mm-hmm. I initially thought I was going to work with kids. So my first concentration was specifically child psychology. So I wanted to work with gifted children, any child on the spectrum, any child with special needs and do art therapy. So that's why I studied theater. So that was my goal. That was like my intention. The more I worked with college students, the more I was kind of like, what if I don't just want to work with kids? So I changed from child life to counseling. And then I was like, well, what if I don't do psychology at all? Like, what if it's something different? So then I went to just a general psychology and then eventually I ended up dropping my theater just to finish my psych degree. But then by the time I got to my junior year, I was like, I'm not going to do anything with this. I don't think like I'm not going to directly do anything with it. And then right after I dropped my theater, poetry came to the picture. So I've always spoken in the perspective of other people, okay. um, even in my art form. So my oh, first wow. monologues and things that I had ever written were first in theater form. And so I would write in the perspective of Coretta Scott King, or I would write in the perspective of Emmett Till's mom. And what does it mean to like lose a child? And so I wrote from the perspective of other people's stories, but like 
living them as if like I could experience it or I could feel it myself. So I've always been a feeler. I've always been very in tune with emotions. And I was going to say, you sound like an empath. Yeah. Oh, extremely. Like I'll walk in a room, even for my sets right now for poetry, I'll walk into a room and I'll con- completely change my set because I know it's not what serves the audience anymore. Yeah. Um, or I'll make up lines on stage because I know I'm talking to someone very specific. Um, And so a lot of it comes from with psychology. I only wanted to study it because I wanted to understand other people better. Mm -hmm. Because if I can understand people better, then I can love people better. And then in that, you learn more about yourself at the same time. And so that was my intention with psych just in general. I want to understand how a mind works for a child, especially a child whose minds work a lot more complicated than most children's minds work, you know? And so then that stemmed into storytelling and art. And then I was like, oh, what if it's just art therapy for people but I'm not really calling it that it's just what it ends up being so that intention of like I'm gonna do art therapy for kids turned into what if you just do art therapy Therapy. with the world kind of yeah Um, and so it's kind of stemmed from that that Mm -hmm. is so cool now um coming back to this whole what was I gonna say just oh I got so distracted I'm like literally I get so entranced when people are talking that I'm just like everything you're saying is like so cool and so powerful but um we were talking a little bit about earlier you were saying when you were on the Jenna Kutcher podcast you were Mm -hmm. talking about comparison and I'm just curious because I think that I've gotten a lot better at it. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of women have, um, we've gotten better at understanding and being mindful. Yeah. Um, but where oh, I just realized, I just remember the question I was going to ask, so that's fine. We're going to keep steaming ahead. <laughs> um, how do we get out of it? Like, how do yeah. we get out of it? How do we learn? How do we, how do we stop that train? Cause yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm so knee deep in recovering from it, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to tell people how to get out of it. There's, totally. It's so easy to, to slap a sticker and say like comparison is the thief of joy. Like mm-hmm. we know it, we know it, mm-hmm. but it's really, really hard to not only just stop the comparison, but understand that you can still honor other people right. in their unique beauty mm-hmm. without feeling like less for yourself. Yeah. And like it all sounds okay, but mine took so long to stop doing it. I feel like there's a better way. Yeah. One of the things that I said... Um, with Jenna is that it's like a muscle. So in order to exercise a muscle, you have to do that continuously. So every day it's like a new form of exercising that muscle of not comparing. Um, I have this poem where I say, um, that game of comparison you play will strip you of the marvel in your own story. There will always be someone who will come along and do something a little bit differently than they knew. They will laugh with more of a twinkle and walk as if they were floating instead. But honey, you honey, there will never be another one like you. And I think that's where the core of comparison comes in is realizing like your life is not going to look like that person's (laughs) like your story is not going to look like that person's your body is not going to look like hers and I'm a four on the Enneagram if any of you are familiar with that I'm a two wing three yes so I'm like a four so I thrive in being different I thrive in being unique so for me I'm like what are you comparing for you don't actually have a genuine desire to be like that person so what does that serve what does that do for you and so even with poetry and, and being on a team of a their poets and things like that I learned very quickly that oh 
I write faster than most of the people mm-hmm. around me. I learn very quickly. I memorize faster than most of the people around me. It like in, in grains differently. I process the world differently. And so once we remember one, we would all be very bored if we all did the same thing, if we all so looked agree. the same way, right? Um, we would be very bored and then we'd find a way to compare even with that, you know? And so at the end of the day, it's like with Jenna, I said, it's like a potluck. No one brings hopefully the same thing to the potluck. Otherwise, people won't really eat it because it's all the same we thing. We don't need that many we, macaroni salads. We don't. It's and just a lot of macaroni salads salad. that are like not salads really throws me. That's like a whole nother salad. Thing I Wait, digress. are you talking about like how jello salad is like the most disgusting thing oh, in the whole world awful. and why did it ever get invented? <laughs> and yet somebody's always bringing that stuff. Always. Always. But you think of a potluck and you're like, the whole key is like, we, with my family, we would bring the thing that we knew we did really well, Mm. which for a while was like this chili cheese, like dip with tortilla chips and cream cheese. And it was like amazing. And we brought that. People were like, are you guys bringing the dip? Are you bringing the dip? Are you bringing the dip? So then we became known for bringing the dip. Mm -hmm. And I think comparison is the same way. Like bring the dip, like bring the thing you know how to bring to the table. Don't bring what everyone else is bringing. It's already been brought. Bring something else. Like I love don't that. Do that. Juicy made bodies a, a chili dip. <laughs> bodies, talent, all of it. Like at the end of the day, it's like we think of the, this whole idea of a seat at the table. Like what kind of space then are you taking up that hasn't already been taken up? That's why you have a seat at the table because there's a space that you're specifically meant to take up. So when people, we talk about the seat at the table thing, and I I read something recently about um, the differences between like inclusivity Mm -hmm. and I don't know, I I don't remember the other things, but I remember that being one and it it said something about, you know, having a seat at the table is like being inclusive, but having like speaking up is like having a voice or having worth. How do we teach and how, how would you advise women to learn to not just sit down and be part of the table and be Mm -hmm. part of that thing but actually learn to like flex their voice I Mm. find it this is a big thing I've noticed in my very short time or even just anywhere any job I've ever worked in I feel like women have a tendency to be quiet Mm -hmm. because men are speaking or they have a tendency to be quiet because another woman is speaking Mm -hmm. and then they just think I don't have the right to like I'm sitting here and this was a lot to get me to this seat I recognize that I I'm taking this in but how do I have the ability to see my worth to share what my thoughts are. Cause I think that there's like this stopping moment that people just start to overthink it and Mm -hmm. over process Mm -hmm. and we lose the ability to lend our voice to things. And I think especially going back to the comparison thing too, um, online stuff social media yeah. it can be hard because you're like I really want to talk on this yeah. but I know it's been talked about before totally so should I just not say anything right. or should I lean in and yeah. give my voice it can be like a major major hiccup yeah. for people to say like hey me too I'm also dealing mm-hmm. with this or like this is my experience or like this is what my opinion mm-hmm. is how do we get over that hiccup? Yeah. Okay. I have so many thoughts. Okay. My okay. First Go thought. I know you like closed your eyes when I was asking it. I was like, I she know. Is Sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm like, when I listen, I legit close my eyes because <laughs> I really have to take it in. Um, my first thought is I was speaking at this event and one of the speakers texted me. She was like, I'm so nervous. Can you like come to the back? Can we like chat a little bit? And she was like, what am I going to go out there and say? All these other women have already gone. They've killed it. Everyone resonated with it. Like, what am I going out there and say? 
saying? And I was like, yeah, but there are still women out there who have not heard what they needed to hear or have not healed from what they needed to heal from because you haven't gone out there yet. So you specifically are meant to talk to a specific person who's out there, who is currently sitting there and like, this has been great, but this is not what I needed. Mm. So when you go out there, you're going to go and you're going to talk to what they need. And then I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go talk to what someone else needs. And so, so we instead of thinking know, about it as a room, yeah, think about it as a person. Like you don't know who in that room you're specifically meant to be there and talk to. I think I've learned that with like the events I've gone to. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go. I don't want to drive. And I like get into that space. But then I get there and there's always one person at least who comes up mm. for me, um, who comes up to talk to me, who comes up and crying and, and just comes up to share. And I'm like, okay. I did it for the one, like I did it for that one one person person. and what I had to contribute was for that one person. It could be a nugget for someone else later down the line, but for an immediate response and immediate connection, it was for that person. And so I think a lot of it comes to like remembering, like you're not supposed to be there and be like, I'm going to get everybody in this room to love me. And I'm going to get everyone in this room to have a really transformational experience. No, that's also a lot of responsibility. So if you could just get like one person, if you could just specifically talk to the story and the narrative of one person in that room, then you have done your job in that moment. Um, and then the twofold of that is, oh man, I forgot it. Oh, that's totally okay. <laughs> this is like our theme today. It's it might fine. come back to me, but it might it's not. Fine. But that was like the biggest thing where it's like you you don't know who's in the audience or in that space or in your Instagram world. Um, because what, and specifically with storytelling and specifically with Instagram, people are following because something, a part of their narrative Mm. relates back to your narrative. Like I really just think social media is just like, they're just extensions of our stories because we ourselves are are stories. And so when people start following, it's because, Ooh, something in my story Mm -hmm. resonates back Mm -hmm. to your story. And I'm intrigued to see how this will unfold in your story. And then vice versa, how this could unfold in my own story. For sure. Cause I think that it's fascinating. And and I think that this is the big mistake that we make on social media and I say this like with so much love but I think that our biggest mistake is we try and just find people that we think are just like us yeah and we forget that you have no idea what little tiny piece like why is it that your stuff connects so much with Mm -hmm. me we live in two totally different places of the world Mm -hmm. we look nothing alike but we have something in our souls that is similar Mm -hmm. that I've connected with like I said I can't even place it half (laughs) the time I'm just like there's something Mm -hmm. that just makes my soul happy that I need to listen to yeah But I used to, and I've said this a lot before, I used to only follow people that looked like me. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like that seemed my to my core, like, oh, that's what I'm relating to. Right. They look like me, so we're, we must be alike. Right. And when I started having more intentionality, I really wanted to be more of an, I wanted to be more aware of, I thought, issues around mm-hmm. the world. I thought I wanted to be more aware of, like, what women in disabled bodies were going through. I wanted to follow more women of color. I yeah. wanted to follow more plus-size bodies, like ones that were, like, ex- like even extremely plus-size. Yeah. I'm like, I want to hear your stories. I wanted to follow, like, eating disorder recovery. And what I've learned is from following all these things like yes I have become hyper aware of things like are there ramps here and Mm. is this clothing label like size inclusive Mm -hmm. like it's made me hyper aware of things but more than that I've just learned that like actually we 
connect on a human level yeah. that so extends beyond like our physical form. And I think that it's taught me to step away from my physical form and think about things like this, yeah. and the conversations that we're having and how we're showing up and, and how those certain people can really, really connect yeah. with you. I had dinner with a girl last night and, you know, we're similar in a way, but she's one of those people that I wouldn't traditionally follow. And I told her this, I'm like, because you intimidate me. You're mm-hmm. one of those like really, you know, you've got just a great body, like quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, you've got all these things going for you. You're such a fashionista. You have like yeah. so much style to you that it was like intimidating for me. But I said, in following you, I got, I related to you on such a human level and I don't know what it was there, but like you were so different, even mm-hmm. though I was so intimidated to be yeah. a part of that. Um, but yeah, I, I find it's been, I think at the core and where a lot of my own, I'm going to say success on terms of social media it's just when you share parts of your story, you don't know what is that going to yeah. imprint on other people. And sometimes yeah. like I feel a little bit like people connected to that one thing and then you feel a little bit put in a box. So for mm-hmm. me, it's like the body stuff, like thanks right. for sharing body stuff. We really, really love hearing that stuff. But my biggest transformations has been like in finding my voice. Yeah. It's my biggest transformation has been in speaking up for myself yeah. and been in choosing better relationships and going through divorce and changing my life in mm-hmm. such a devastatingly good way. Yeah. And when I started talking about that, I'm like, this is uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it's one thing to just like take a picture and show it of your cellulite. Mm-hmm. It's another thing when you're like, here's the big trauma of my life and I'm going to share what it did for yeah. me. And it's so amazing when you write things like that and then people come to you and you're like, I, it just wasn't expected. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't expected and I connected with it, mm-hmm. but it takes, it takes a channeling of mindfulness. Like I think that it's something that a lot of us are struggling with Yeah, is how to be mindful. It's like yeah. a common question I get. How yeah. have you learned, even especially you're talking about being an empath mm-hmm. or how you do poetry as if you're in somebody <laughs> else's like story. Yeah. How did you create that mindfulness for yourself? Is it stemmed out of experience or is that just who you are? I think it's just who I am. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like the picture I always give of like me as like a teenager or even just like a younger person was just like dreaming with a broken heart playing by John Mayer on loop. And I'm like laying in the floor of my bedroom with the lights off, like just feeling all the feels like loved Adele felt everything she ever said, you know, like I just like just in it. Like I've always just been really in it. And even being younger, I've, I've always felt older Mm -hmm. than most of the people around me. I've my, my soul has always felt older. Like the whole old soul thing is legitimately like me. And so that going into like, I feel like not that I've lived a life before, but I think I feel like I'm able to like, grab onto people's emotions um Mm. and to their state of being and I've been that person where I'll have strangers meet me in a coffee shop or or somewhere and they'll share one of the darkest hardest you know moments in their life and they're like oh my god I have no idea why I just told you that I'm like Okay, you might have happens. one of those faces. I don't make me the service, but yeah. like, I always get that in like stores. I always get like little ladies ask me advice for like their underwear and like there's <laughs> random. And I was like, I think I just have a face. And people are like, what do you You're mean by familiar. that? I'm like, I just think it's like a thing. Yeah. Where like there must be a familiarity where people are like, I can ask you a question. And yes. I'm like, okay, here I am. I'm going to help you try on these things. This so is what we're going to do now. Mm-hmm. But not everybody. Oh, yeah. That's so funny that you say that because I've had that a lot too. But I always like, am I doing something? Am I like giving something <laughs> off? No, or, like, I think it just makes it? you an approach approachable person and Mm. in our society right now 
that's a very rare thing, weirdly, because we have so many walls up and we have so many defense mechanisms that it's like very rare for someone to be that open. Um, and so I think for my own personal mindfulness, like it helps me be more in tune of myself to be in tune with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I think I love the Enneagram so much because mm-hmm. it's like, you can't learn about yourself without learning about a wing who might be someone, you know, like my, I'm a four, my boyfriend's a five. So I can't learn about myself without learning about him because that's my wing. That's my support system. I can't learn about myself without learning about where I go to as a one, which is my other, my sister. And so it's like, I love the integration of like, we can't really truly know who we are and we can't really truly really know how to be mindful for ourselves if we don't tap into like the community and the and the things around us that's so true and it's funny my husband and I are we're actually both two wing three yeah and I was like oh gosh this is why (laughs) but the second we did it and we found that out I was like this is why we struggle so much because like Mm. when you are somebody like a two wing three like there's a lot of different like people pleasing things there's a Mm -hmm. lot of like I don't know like you can be very motivational but you also be very drained by stuff Mm -hmm. and I was like this makes so much sense because like when we get in a fight we're almost like we're so sad because we're like I'm so sad and I'm also sad that you're sad and so we're just like it's this constant (laughs) pull of like we're so sad that we're fighting but this is good for us to like we need to actually talk about stuff too but it yeah you're right like it totally it it made sense to find out what our personality Mm -hmm. differences and similarities were so that we could figure out how to relationship better I'm not afraid I feel like this is such a thing where people think that fighting is bad and Mm -hmm. I'm like I I have a friend who always calls them passionate discussions but I'm like I they're so key for me because they always remind mm-hmm. me if I'm fighting, I'm fighting for something mm-hmm. because before I would just be quiet. Yeah. I wouldn't fight because yeah. fighting just led to nothingness. And I was like, I don't want to go down that path. I yeah. don't want to go down anything. So I, I like having mm-hmm. like debates within like right. my relationship because it shows me that I care about yeah. it. Yeah. But one thing, like I was just scrolling your little Insta <laughs> and you had this like whole little video on like how to kill it on your first date. How to, okay, first of all, we're going to, this is a two-parter. First of all, I heard you like half tell a story of your first date with your boyfriend. So I'm going to need you to tell that. And I want you to give advice because I think there's a lot of like single ladies who would love to hear how to kill it on a first date. Yeah. So I don't, I only start those videos because I get so many questions that are the same thing. So I'm like, really? And you get a question about dating? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Well, because my whole initial conversation was about singleness and was about owning your singleness, being an independent woman. And then I introduce a boy in the situation, which was a really interesting, if you really want to test your, um, your audience and your demographic, add a life change like that because because my narrative was so much about seeing I went from being a weight loss girl to being a like uh-huh. a body confident yeah. and like gaining weight that so. shift is so interesting and be, it's pivot. because like before where I was talking about how people there's something in your story that relates mm-hmm. once it no longer relates people feel some type of way mm. so I lost a lot of followers when I did really? post my boyfriend and I know that was and this is like part of my feeling self I'm like most likely in their voice and in their heads, it was some type of narrative of like, okay, now this hurts. Like mm. she used to be an example for how to live where I'm at now. And she's in a different season that I'm not in yet that I hope to be in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not. And so it's like that when you get to that comparison space, you got to unfollow mm-hmm. or you got, and so I was totally like, I love you. I see you. Like, I'm so sorry you have to leave and I hope you'll be back, but I get it. You know, yeah. um, I totally get it. And so first, first dates are very weird because I actually, I haven't dated a whole lot because LA is like, 
funky and and growing up in in a faith-based world is funky when it comes to dating and so I had very little dates but I did start online dating when I graduated college just because I was like how what do I do with my hands how do I who what do I wear like just so many different conversations and so one of the things I learned it's like if I'm not going to be myself Mm. initially in that setting there's no point in me continuing this conversation because at the end of the day they're going to be dating me so if I don't show up as me then like gosh it defeats the purpose I literally had this conversation with my uber driver yesterday because I had that same type of experience when I first started dating my husband like when we first got to know each other we weren't dating initially um but I was like had this like internal thing where I'm like I can't bullshit anything about me because I don't have the time and the energy to fake this for the rest of my life I just don't want to do that I'm Mm -hmm. like so you might find out some really like weird things right off the bat but like I would just rather get there and like have it be out and like that's what we're dealing with and I'm like I need you to do the same I need you to not tell me that you like romantic Christmas movies unless mm-hmm. you love them because I'm going to rely on that every Christmas. If I need to watch them with someone else, yes, cool. Right. But there were so many weird know. things, but it's yeah. so funny because it's, we're almost together for, I guess we've been together for like three years now. And mm. when I look at him, I'm like, there has never been a point where I'm like, that was a surprise. Yeah. It never was. Yeah. I, and you're right. If yeah. we're going to be, if we want to be in a relationship with someone, I think this is where people get a little confused mm-hmm. is there's like that need of I just want to be desired and liked so yeah, we so become let me something put that best foot forward 100 percent. it's totally. always about that like how can I be my best self mm-hmm. but then you flip it and you're like well how can I be my most authentic self so I can have a truly good relationship, relationship. yeah not only with that person but with myself yeah. because I know that I'm meeting the needs that I have right and if they don't like who I am as my authentic self then they're not my person Mm -hmm. and that's that's hard though it's so hard and it's it's hard but then it's also like I'm so glad that one got out the way you know step out of the way I've got someone else there's some there's room for someone else you know like when a door closes another one opens it's that same conversation and so I think at that point in time when I did start dating Mm -hmm. I was so aware of who I was and and what I wanted and what I didn't want that it I didn't, it's not that I didn't matter how they felt, but sure. low key, it kind of didn't matter, you know, because I was like, if this is not meshing, if yeah, we're not I'm feeling cool. it, then like we're good, you know? And I did go on other dates where I was like, I like the conversations you have. I liked, like, there's this guy, he was very tiny, tiny, tiny human, but I was like, I really like your I date ideas. So I kept going on dates with him, but I mis- made a mistake and I accidentally called him a dwarf and it was like this whole Freudian slip. And so clearly I was like not physically oh, attracted no. to him, but I was mentally really connected to him and really attracted to something in him. And so I learned from that, like these people that I did go on dates with to kind of like take a little ingredient from them. Like, Oh, I like the way he has conversations. I like the way his eye color is. I like the way that he initiates. And I started taking like these little ingredients from all these people. And I'm like, maybe this, all of this will make someone who will be my person Mm -hmm. Um, or these attributes will contribute to someone who I do want to be with and someone who can accept all of me. Um, So being yourself was like a huge one, asking questions that you would also want to be asked um, pretty much. And so it's like, if I want to talk about music, I hope that he would also talk about music and vice versa. So asking questions where you're like, I would want to be asked this and asking them that question too, because usually they're going to be like, well, 
what about you? You know, like in the same What context, are your life goals? What, oh my gosh, I right. can't even. I'm like, I have no, no, never in my life have I had a life goal. Please. I've right. never really like technically been on like dates. So I find yeah. it all very fascinating, like listening to people and stuff mm-hmm. too. Cause I feel like everyone, everyone's kind of gone through this phase where they're like dating. And yeah. I'm like, I literally went from being a teenager in a relationship and getting married. Mm-hmm. Like I had like my high school boyfriend and then I was married mm-hmm. and like literally those are two weeks apart. Yeah. And then right after that, I met my husband and there was like, there was almost like no, I was a little frustrated to be honest. I was a little frustrated. Cause I was like, I thought I was going to have me time. I thought it was going to be like the do you the do you girl season of my life and then suddenly this like freaking guy and I was a little frustrated because I was like you know I just wanted this time of like dating and seeing what that was like and experiencing different people and getting to know them but he was just like he kind of stepped in the way and I was like all right right. whatever like there was no there's like no integrate there was no denying like there was too much but it's funny that you said um when you're dating you tend to look at things like this is what I like about them in terms Mm -hmm. of like how they because when I think about my husband the my favorite things about him he like I am very physically attracted to him for sure however my favorite things about him have nothing to do with what he looks like and so Mm -hmm. I can see why in a day and age that we are in now it's very attractive to see to like we're looking at somebody's photo and Mm -hmm. we're swiping I don't know I've never been on that but swiping right yeah so you're swiping and to like accept somebody or not based on this like core looks things that it's kind of stripped us of the opportunity of what we might be actually attracted Attracted to to. right because the physical attraction that's going to shift that's going to change that's going to be all over the place probably within the first year of you dating Mm -hmm. like to be completely Mm -hmm. honest so it's like the things that are like the foundation of who they are as a person so their sense of humor the way they treat family the way they treat waiters the way they treat animals you know like little things like that where you're like what do you talk about like what are life goals if that is a thing if you can't articulate it what is it does that resonate with where I hope to be in terms of that far in terms of life and um, music it can be different you know and so those were the first conversations that my my boy my now boyfriend and I had about like music and and artists we would see and 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 what are we passionate about and and writing was like a commonality for both of us and things like that and so that's like finding those like conversations which well they'll probably be different um but we had conversations before we ever saw each other in person and so that kind of helped kind of like create this establishment and then I saw him in person and I was like oh gosh so so (laughs) I'm gonna need you to tell the story yes I'm gonna need it because I heard a little bit of it and I was like I'm gonna need this story We met on Instagram, actually, which is fun. His sister it in the gram, in the gram, slid in the DMs. Um, his sister started following me first. Okay, and we would message and and things like that. And then she shared one of my poems with him that I put on IGTV, and he was like, "Oh, I have a big crush on this girl now." And she's like, "Oh well, good luck." She's like famous and blah, blah, blah. like you're not. That's never happening. And he was like, "I'm gonna, she's I'm, like, like, honey, I'm gonna date it. I gotta date her basically." And so he started following me and guys are not my demographic like in terms of no. following and stuff like that I'm like who's this dude you know <laughs> and so he'd watch my stories and stuff and so I just keep my eye out keep my eye out and then he commented on one of my posts about to writers and so that was it for me I like went to his bio I saw like full-time poet part-time barista <gasps> and I like dm'd him and I was like hey Whoa. I have this open mic you should come perform 
do you live in the LA area? And he was like, Hey, I'm John, like nice to meet you. He was like, I don't perform, but I am looking to get more involved. And that's like how it spiraled. So we talked for like maybe two weeks and then he had done some research. I found out later on and saw on my Facebook that I was going to this concert. And so he asked me if I wanted to go and I was like, I'm already going, but you should totally go. And like, I'll be there. And so he got his ticket and that's where we like met each other at this like house show for this poet and this other poet and we met there and he like we were sitting in the house and I had already, I didn't know he was already there because you kind of know what people look like but then kind of yeah. don't know what people look like and so I had no idea he was already there he like DMs me he was like I want to come say hi but I'm like low-key having a panic attack yeah. from claustrophobia and so I was like oh no so I'm like looking around for someone who looks scared or something yeah. and he's like right in front of me with like a black beanie and a pink shirt and so I like get up to go say hi and get really nervous and I do a loop in the kitchen <gasps> and I come sit right back down in my seat and I just like you didn't I thought I was gonna throw up like, you I, get nervous oh, like I get, that? I get nervous you every get time stage? I perform okay i do every time i perform like i i have to like they have to tell me at least 15 minutes before so i can go hide in a corner somewhere it used to be a lot worse like i used to have to be sat down and fanned because i would pass out like it used what? to be really bad that was like more for acting but now i've gotten better but i still shake i still always have to pee before mm-hmm. <laughs> you got all of that so i see this dude and i'm like oh i don't do this i don't do this i don't do this. so i just sat down my friend's like did you say hi i was like no she's like if you don't go over there like right now so i get up I go over there and he like stands up and I was like, oh, shoot. I don't know what oh, shoot meets, but oh, shoot. I don't know if you're going to be the person to completely break my heart or if you're finally going to be the person who like knows how to hold it. But like I. You said this to him? Or no, you no, no. It? I thought that in my head. Oh, I was I like, wow, that was bold. Be like, oh, shoot. I think you're going to either be my husband or you're going to break my heart and make me you feel like I'm never going to. I just knew. And so I like text my friend who knew of him and I was like, he's really cute in person. I'm just like, oh, my God. And so we just stopped together the whole rest of the show and mm-hmm. talked about tattoos and music and, and life and everything in between. And then he came to my open mic a week later, asked for my number. And that was like probably the moment where I was like, oh, shoot, I I really like this guy because he put my name in his phone as my actual last name. Astoria is my middle name. Um, oh. And so he put my actual last name in his phone. And I hadn't been that Ariel for anyone in like a year and a half and I was like I said this to him I was like you put my last name he was like that is your name right I was like yeah but I've been Ariel Astoria for people for like Mm -hmm. two years Mm -hmm. you know and there is that other person who exists when the camera's not off you know and he was like so confused because he's very just like black and white and so those were our first couple days. Our first date was actually supposed to be Childish Gambino concert. Oh, um, my husband would have loved that. He, it would have been fun until Childish Gambino got injured the week before. And Dang. so we got postponed, but it ended up being the most magical eight hours of my you entire life. We hour had an date? hour date. Like a full shift at work. <laughs> whoa yeah so he picked me up at the time i was living in a house with four kids a family and their four kids because i couldn't afford to live anywhere else and the youngest one immediately like runs up to him and like hugs his leg that's like the first interaction i was like oh dear god like i thought i are i know okay i know and so he comes in the house all the kids are like look at me watch my flips but i like love him already yeah and then i go downstairs we go to his car and there's like a note 
and a rose on his seat. And I was like, oh, what Nicholas Sparks mask did I just walk into? <laughs> this is not real. This is not real. This is not real. And I'm like, keep it together. Keep it together. So I was like, do I open this now? He's like, no, no, no. Wait, wait till later. So we get dinner. We go to Griffith Park. We have a picnic. And I open the note. And it was basically he was like he loves the moon and so he had said like like a new full moon this friendship brings about a new season of life and i was like whoa okay <sighs> cool we're cool we're not crying we're not crying we're not crying Seriously, I would be and like- so we just sat there and then we just talk about everything and then we go to griffith observatory which is like you can look through telescopes at the stars and the oh moon. my god and we went through there and that's we- where like the hollywood sign yes, is where okay. the hollywood sign is and so we went up there and then we sat on a bench and he read this book called drop like stars to me and then he plopped it on my lap and then wrapped his arm around me and we just sat on the bench and i was like this is not real this is not real that is and we just talked and talked and talked and so my poem glorious is actually based off of that moment with him and then off of a moment from a retreat that I went to earlier that year but yeah wow so how long ago did you guys actually start dating? We a year, almost a year. A year. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's been very. I was new. gonna say I didn't follow you during your like singlehood and stuff yeah. like that. And I think that it's I understand what you mean though when it comes to um, speaking into the lives of people when they're in singleness because yeah. I think that people just feel like they have to be partnered and yes. I think it's an inner desire that we want to be partnered. But a lot of people have unfortunately never gotten the opportunity to feel what it's like to be alone and have the opportunity to kind of get to know themselves. And I think, would you say for your story and why potentially it did work out this way was because you had a season of being alone and getting to know yourself. Who I was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so big, especially like even with poetry, with speaking up until meeting John all like I was speaking about singleness like I was going to universities Mm -hmm. and speaking about that season and and so literally two weeks before we started talking I had done a conversation at a university about singleness and one of the things I said was like the whole point of singleness is to find out who you are because then we mistake going into relationships being a completion right like I'm not a whole full person so I need to get into relationship in order to be a whole full person because we say other half and things like that but I think there's 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 a detriment there because it's more one plus one equals two than it is mm-hmm. a half plus a half equals one. Um, you have to be a full and whole person, know who you are, know what you stand for in that season, and of course that will shift as you're yeah. in life in general, and and even more so when you're in a relationship. But I knew I needed to know who I was, and and I could go into a relationship and I could be like for the record this is me this is my life it's crazy I travel a lot I'm a lot like I'm pretty strong-willed I like being alone you know like I Mm -hmm. said all Mm -hmm. those things to him Mm -hmm. and he was like great I want all of that great huh (laughs) weird but so much of it was like I needed to know that in order to articulate that and I think so much of like self-love and all of that conversation comes from like our ability to love ourselves creates a blueprint for other people to come and be like, Oh, this is how she's navigated through this. This is how she's loved herself. Now let me go in and I can add to that. I can compliment that. Like I think John loves me in ways that I never expected to be loved on Mm -hmm. top of how I've already learned how to love myself. I think that that is, um, 
remarkable and something I can I can so relate to. And I find that it's hard because I didn't really get to that point of figuring out who I was, mm-hmm. but I was in a relationship. Yeah. Like I was already in one and then I had to figure out who I was. And then I got a divorce because mm-hmm. it turned out I really needed to get a divorce. Yeah. And I found that out from yeah. like figuring out who I was. Mm-hmm. And then in the next stage, like obviously I met my husband again pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. I had this like, well, I had my single mother season. And it was funny because same as you yeah. sharing that on social, I had the, like the single mom group who were yeah. like really embraced me mm. and were so kind to me and so encouraging. I felt guilt when I was in a relationship mm-hmm. again, but I also felt this huge responsibility to myself. And, and I got a little like not walls up, but I remember saying to him, like saying to Shane, like, I, I need my independence. Like, please yeah. don't like, don't ever think that I'm going to stop doing things. I'm going to stop doing mm-hmm. that. Or I'm going to stop chasing my dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you have a career means I doesn't mean that I don't have a mm-hmm. career just because you do this doesn't mean I won't. Yeah. And like, we actually, like I would do things like I wanted to be so fiercely independent mm-hmm. from him while still being coupled. Um, cause I think that that it, it was tricky. Like a lot of people end up finding their independence on their own. And I was kind of somewhat forced into a situation of finding my independence and my aloneness in a situation where I was in a couple but we did things as simple as I wanted to rock paper and scissors dinner so (laughs) I didn't want I I didn't have a lot of money and he was a little bit better off than I was yeah when we were dating and so he had this like well I just want to like buy dinners like I just want to be the person to do that and I was like I need to feel like an equal yeah so I'm gonna rock we're gonna rock paper scissors (laughs) who pays And then I was like, I had to pay for it a couple of times. And I was like, okay, I actually can't afford this. So what we're actually going to do is we can still do those things. We can still rock, paper, scissors, but I'm going to cook more. I'm going to do some more stuff where we're just going to like, if you take me out for dinner, lovely, but I'm going to actually like cook for you as well. But I mean, it, it was it's so weird to go through a self-discovery and I find so many women get stuck in this because Mm. we started down the path of, I'm just going to, I'm just going to couple with somebody. It's working. It's fine. I think a lot of people more than I expected are people like me who could probably get along with anybody. Yeah. There's a lot of us like that. Yeah. So you're in a relationship that, you know, it's okay, Mm -hmm. but you've lost yourself in there somewhere. Um, how do we start to kind of like dive into that? Like, how do we start advocating for our need for aloneness and stop being so scared of like that change? Cause I feel like a lot of people in relationships, it's almost like a, it's almost feels like because you met them at a time of your life, that it's somehow a commitment that you're going to be that way for the rest of your life. No, And I think that's so much about like one that I'm learning about relationships is the grace in understanding that like we're evolving, changing people all the time. The foundation of who we are, however, will stay pretty consistent, which is why I think the Enneagram is so fascinating because as much as you'll change and you'll, you'll go to wing to wing and you'll go to the strength of the weakness, Mm -hmm. the core of who you are, won't change the core of who you are consistent, but the layers on top of that will shift and grow and having, having so much understanding and having so much patience with the fact that like, I love you for the core of who Mm. you are. I don't just love you for the surface of who you are. I don't just love you for the layer in which you're existing in right now, but I love you for the 
core of who you are. And the core of who you are usually comes up in our arguments with one another. It usually comes up in our fears with one another. It usually comes up in our in, in the insecurities because that's like our child self, I always say, mm-hmm. um, is the core of who we are. Um, and having so much understanding with like in this season, you're going to get on my nerves more than I'm going to get on your nerves. And then in another season, I'm going to get on your nerves more than you're going to get on my nerves and vice versa. And so I think so much of it is just like, which I, I think I, that's why I love like constantly going on dates. Even if you are like married, I've watched that in a lot of couples and I've really loved that they so do that because it's the commitment that I'm going to continue to get to know you. Mm. for the rest of my life is what it is. Um, and you hopefully will continue to get to know me for the rest of my life. And that means that I might be more passionate about Cheez-Its in one season more than another, or I might be more, you like, I don't know. That's like, I don't know where it came from. I really love Cheez-Its, but, or I might really want to teach in this season, but then I might want to shift that passion later. And I think that's what I really loved about, um, John and I, it's like he came in, he like had a plan, he like knew what he wanted to do. And then I come in this like human tornado of a, of a person and he was like, actually, what else is out there? <laughs> you know, like what else could I get involved with? And so I think the beauty of relationships is like we open each other's worldview and we open each other's perspective to who we are and who we could be. Um, but at the end of it, it's like the core of who you are, I will love forever and ever. And the layers of who you are, I will continue to get to know for the rest of my life. Oh, that's so beautiful because yeah, like I, we're going to change a million times. I'm one of those people that when everyone asks like what your hobbies are and I'm like, I don't know, I have one, one week. And like, I used to, I was like obsessed with knitting for like ever. I was like, I knitted everybody all their Christmas presents. I haven't picked up knitting in like so long. I played piano as a kid, played so much amazing music. Now I don't play any piano. Like I literally hop from thing to thing Mm. and I feel a little bit the same way. Even like on social media, you can talk about something so passionately, but I'm like, hold tight because that might change Mm -hmm. in a few months because you don't know what I might suddenly become passionate about and I think it gives us a lot of I think even in relationship with somebody else seeing that yes I can love you as your core but I Mm -hmm. want to see you grow and I want to see you involve and I want to see you passionately pursue life Life. Mm -hmm. but we get scared because Mm -hmm. that means change and change is terrifying terrifying but it's also like it makes life less beautiful if we don't have change you know like it like it makes it less exciting if it just looks the same like yeah, there were seasons where we are going to want the picket fence in the garden and the backyard. But then there are also seasons where we're going to want to live out of a backpack and travel. And then there will be seasons where we live in an apartment and we're trying to make it. Well, like those are the most beautiful moments that shape us, um, that grow us closer together. And it also makes life so much more full. You know, it makes life so much more exciting. It makes life so much more worth living because it doesn't there are if our if we are all stories, if our lives are these these stories the page has to turn the chapter yes. has to shift you know yeah I, I think that that breakdown often helps a lot of people again a different uber driver yesterday <laughs> she was saying how do you move on from one relationship to the other like how did you deal with the divorce and then getting remarried again and I said this is a difficult thing but I felt the same with like friendships and stuff too or shifts in life when you when things change yeah. and it's like this feeling of I don't really like that it's changed and I almost had to start viewing my life in chapters mm-hmm. because then I I was able to see this was just the chapter I was in. It's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. And when things are hard now, I get to look at it and say, this is like, I was just sharing with you earlier. My anxiety has been really bad lately. And yeah. I'm like, 
I understand that this is not the rest of my life. This is the chapter I'm in right now. Yeah. And we're, we're writing it as it's going, Yeah. but this isn't my whole story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be free from a lot of this. I'm going to learn to cope better. Mm-hmm. There are things about my body I'm still struggling with, but this is the chapter I'm in. And when I look three yeah. chapters back, I was debilitated mm-hmm. by like looking at the mirror. Yeah. I was terrified to be hugged and yeah. touched by people. And now I'm like, oh, this is like, I mm-hmm. could just draw into it. So when we look at our life and we can break it down into chapters, it feels like a little bit more conclusive to be able to like I can stop this was that chapter yeah. I learned so much yeah. from it and now this is a new one yeah. instead of being like this is my story and mm-hmm. it's like beginning to end the same thing right yeah I think we would be ex- like exhausted, be exhausted and, and bored. so bored yes <laughs> yeah 100% I use the term seasons a lot um mm-hmm. and instead of chapters because it's like fall it oh, because seasons one they always come back right so True. it's like that hard thing will probably come back again as a different layer or as a different leaf but that hard thing will most likely come back but for now that season is over and then winter will come and then fall will come and then spring will come and summer and so I think I I view life as like I always say like I'm in a season where because I know one it won't last and two I know that it's serving its purpose like mm. each season serves its purpose fall serves a purpose purpose and it serves the purpose to set up the next season even more so. Mm-hmm. So it's like what we're experiencing in this chapter and this season is for some reason going to set me up for what I'm going to experience in the next season or and, the next and chapter. And winter is the worst of the season. Right. So well, cuddle I live up, in Canada, get warm. So oh, yeah. Like you get snowing. Yeah. It's literally the worst. <laughs> um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. Can you read us a poem? Yeah. Um. Or I guess not even. Do you have well, to read they're it memorized. Or do you... <gasps> yeah. So that's the part. I remember of when I was a kid and they taught you like word. Bible verses, and I've like mm-hmm. never been able to memorize a Bible verse. Like I have like yes. two, and like I already yeah. forget them. Well, the tricky part is like, oh, not tricky, but for poems, it's like I wrote it, so there's like already a part of my brain that's like, this is familiar. Mm-hmm. I know this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, Anything so. about self worth okay. or confidence? My most recent one. So I'm excited. I was a teaching artist for a while. And so I taught kids who were incarcerated or um, detoxing from drugs. And so I taught them poetry. And so I had them write a poem, an about me poem. But I tricked them and I was like, but I want you to use an ingredient. So I want you to add like um, a cup full of sass or a half full of um, kindness or something like that. So add an ingredient to who you are. So then I came up with this poem, which um, first was a poem, but then the music kind of like came after. But um, there's magic in your bones. There's magic in your eyes. There's magic swimming all around in your mind. There's magic in you. There's magic in me. There's magic in us. If only we believe. I am one-third poet and two-fourth perfectionist. I am imperfect, chaotic, frazzled, and indecisive. I can be moody and negative, self-deprecating and hypocritical. I advocate for the beauty and the importance of everyone else, and I sometimes I sometimes deny my own. I am often thinking that I won't measure up. I won't achieve any other level of success. Most days, most days I feel like a fraud, like someone will look behind my curtain and find a mess of a woman, and they will not love me like still I love 
like still like ocean always coming back to shore simply hoping to be loved in return i am in love for the first time in my life and it is terrifying and beautiful all at the same time i am becoming slowly unwinding into who i've always been meant to be it's like meeting a distant and yet long for piece of you that has always reminded you of home i am home to one too many emotions to fantasies and dreams that seem as realistic as fairy dust i sometimes I sometimes still believe in magic, hope that it's tucked in the wings of a butterfly or maybe the dimples of a really chunky baby and the way that he looks at me or the colors of a sunset and they may call me something like foolish, 27 years old and still believing in magic, but what if the thing we're most afraid of is not that it doesn't exist, but that it's lived inside of us all this time and we, we called it foolish, well then call me foolish. Because I can see it swimming in my veins and every time I take a breath, magic tucked into my very existence. It is no wonder why these words are the most necessary healing we've ever known. Well then call us foolish because I can see it swimming in your veins. And every time you take a breath, magic tucked into your very existence so much so that your breath is a miracle and you are a miracle. There's magic in your bones. There's magic in your eyes. There's magic swimming all around in your mind. There's magic in you. There's magic in me. There's magic in us. Only we believe. Oh my God. <laughs> I just sobbed like halfway through. I was like, I'm not going to finish this. Oh, that was amazing. Thank you. Wow. I just, I don't even know what to say. Um, thank you for everything you're doing for the world. It is such, your voice is such a gift. Your mind and your heart is such a gift to this world. Thank and you. I can't thank you enough for being on this and sharing that with me and with all of us. Um, Please tell everybody where to find you. Yeah, I'm ah, I'm everything Ariel Astoria. That's A R I E L L E E S T O R I A. You can find me on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud if you still do that. Oh my gosh. I hope everyone gets to know you and uh, gets to dive in. Oh, man, I feel so silly that all I've been doing is following your Instagram. <laughs> I need to download some albums. My goodness, that was like good for the soul. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It is literally such an honor. Thank so you. thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Thank you.